0: Good. Uh, do you mind, if, if you're able and whatever, can we just stand a minute? Is that all right? I know you're like you've only just sat down, but consider it a workout. <laughs> it's, a, it's all good. Just, uh, just put your arms out as if you're receiving a gift. Yeah. Let's just stay here a minute. Just increase the sense of your presence here, God. God we're not giving you a quick prayer before a talk, we're just going to hold this space. Father, I feel that I, I know, and many others are feeling increasingly desperate for you. We are utterly done with religion. To be honest, God, many of us are even a little bit done with church, certainly done with church that doesn't feature you and your presence. We have had enough. We're bored. We are restless. We long for more. Spirit, break out. Without you, we have nothing. We're just a community group You have called each one of us at this point in history to be alive when we are. And you've invited us into your story that you're rewriting over the earth. We long for you, God. We long for you. In the book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes, the theme really is everything is meaningless. And God without you, that's pretty true.
1: Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth We'll grow strangely dim In the light of his glory and grace Sing that again, turn our eyes And turn our eyes upon Jesus Look for wonderful face, so beautiful. And things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and Thank you, God.
0: Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just in this space, before we leave it, if there is something, which we probably all have, but if there is something in your life for which you would say, I need breakthrough in this area. You've mentioned it to God maybe a thousand times before. Maybe you've never had the courage to mention it to God. And as we're snuggled up, cuddled up next to Father on a heavenly sofa, the Bible says we're seated in heavenly places. Then just mention it to him. Just mention it to him again. Thank you God. Has anyone got um, a pain in their neck? I don't think it's metaphorical, I think it's literal. A pain in their neck. Right now, who has? You have. Brilliant. Can a couple of people just gather around uh, John and pray for him and then just give us an update? Do you know what? Has anyone else got um, any pain? If you've got pain, then do you mind just come to the front and, and we're going to just have some people gather around. Just come to the front. You don't need to give them a like, full explanation. Just say, I've got pain here. And we're going to pray, just literally against pain. Most people here have got pain, but well done for the courage of those who've come forward. I appreciate that. I don't care if fifty people come forward, and and you guys who aren't, you haven't got pain. Thank you, Jesus. You haven't got pain. That's brilliant. Can you either come and lay hands on these guys, um, and and start praying for them? And the rest of you who may be like, oh, well, I, I, yeah, I want to stay where I am. That's all right. Reach your hand out. Please engage. Start praying for them right now. Just command that pain to go. Pain is not God's plan, it's not what He longs for for His children. You don't long for pain for your kids, God doesn't long for pain for His. Thank you, God. If you don't know anything else to say, say, Holy Spirit, come, more Holy Spirit, move Holy Spirit, pain, go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, Lord. And while, while you're all there, I'm just going to uh, read, read this out over you. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered together in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all that anyone could hear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit, to speak in languages they'd never even learned. Now at that time, there were worshippers there who had emigrated from many different lands. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running To where it was coming coming from. Stunned over what was happening, because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, Aren't these all Galileans? Meaning they haven't been to uni. So how is it that we hear them speak in our own languages? We're from all over the place. They all stood there, dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, What is this? phenomenon. Spirit, break out. We need you. We long for you. God, we are desperate for you. If you're at home, uh, not able to join us in the room, I would encourage you just stand and invite God. Invite God right now into into the moment. You don't have to stand. It's like God of course can meet you sat down. But if you're like, I'm sat down, I'm not feeling him, then stand. Or kneel. Kneel up, kneel down. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you. How are we doing down here? Uh, can people just give us a wave if you're feeling any improvement? Don't be nice, be honest. Okay, an improvement here, but not gone. Improvement for Mike, not gone. Anyone else? More improvement? Brilliant. Thank you, God. We release more of what you're already doing, God. More of what you're already doing. Thank you, God. I just want to encourage you, um, while they're, they're, they're just praying, there was someone who is part of the Renew Project here. They got prayed for. And it's taken a month for the healing to fully come. And no, it wasn't the type of healing that would come in a month. It was the type of healing that shouldn't have come at all. And God has taken a month to knit everything back together that needed knitting back together. So be encouraged. Sometimes it's instant. Sometimes it's as we go. Sometimes it's as we continue to lean into him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Okay, for those who aren't praying, it um, all means go and take your seat. If you've got a Bible, turn to Luke 19. If you're still praying, still pray. We want to we squeeze out the max we can. Okay. Um, Paul, do you mind just navigating my slides for me? Because I'm just going to read it. Is that all right? Just pull up the se- second slide. We don't need the first one. It's only the title. It's fairly irrelevant. Okay. So in the city of Jericho, there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus, who was the supervisor over all the tax collectors. As Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to get a good look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive, Zacchaeus was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people. So he ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to the place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry up down for I'm appointed to stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus as Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, look at this, of all the people to have dinner with is going to eat in the house of a crook. You can put in your own words there. I think the Bible has lost something in its translation, but we'll go with crook for now. Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, Half of all that I own I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I've cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. And Jesus said to him, ha, This shows that today life has come to you. Life has come to you and to your household. For you are a true son of Abraham. Basically, that means Jewish. The son of man has come to seek out and give life to those who are lost. And we're going straight on. I'm going to talk about that one in a minute, but we're going to go straight over to Acts 3. Again, Bibles. If you've got one of those old-fashioned paper versions, then uh, yeah, whip, whip that out and go for it. Acts 3. I encourage you, if you don't get your paper version out much, I encourage you to get your paper version out. Is this, I don't know, something about actually holding it and you don't get pings coming in at the top of the Bible... The texts and things coming in and, oh, it's about to start raining. And all those kind of distractions uh, that you might get. So one afternoon, I think this is right. Yeah, yeah. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for the three o'clock prayer. As they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going into worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple... He begged them for money. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, Look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. But then Peter said, No, I haven't got money. But I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Walk. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and then began to walk around. As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. When all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realised that it was the crippled beggar. Do you remember a number of, for those of you who are here, we talked about Blind Bartimaeus, who had to have his name changed. (laughs) This is this guy too. This is another guy. Oh, it's Crippled Man. Oh my word, Crippled Man. We're going to have to rename him Leaping for Joy Man. He needed a new name after this. Astonishment swept over the crowd for they were amazed over what had happened to him. Of course they were. This guy's been begging here for years and loads of people have walked past him. Some people have maybe even dropped a little coin in his cap or hat or whatever. And they say, we haven't got silver and gold to be able to give you. but we'll give, we'll give you this. Get up. Stand up. Walk. And he did it and power surged into his ankles. I love that. In that moment, can you imagine being there? Did his muscles suddenly become strong? They would have become atrophied over so many years of a lack of use. So was it literally skin and bone and somehow he had strength in it? Or literally in that moment, bang, muscle reappeared? I'm excited because I would have loved to have been there, right? That is really exciting. I was talking to someone in the week um, who um, was telling me a story about a friend of theirs who prayed for someone who had no eye. And then the next morning, they woke up and they had an eye. Yes. <laughs> right? This is, amazing. this is so like... And God's like, yeah, I made it in the first place. I've got a cupboard of spares up here. <laughs> like, this, is, this is nothing amazing. You buy a car, they make spares. And we're not surprised when we go got a new exhaust for my escort. We don't do that. We're just like, well, of course they've got spares. And God's like, of course I've got spares. Anyway, um, that wasn't in my notes. Let's move on. So uh, I'm going to show you a picture, um, and that's a picture of this. Now, I know a bit about netball. It might surprise you to know that. uh, That actually, uh, as a teacher, we were the undefeated staff champions. Against the year six kids who are about half our height. But anyway, um, so no, in truth, I don't know loads about netball, but I have watched Nick play many, many uh, a game of netball. And I have had to sometimes sit next to her while she shouts at the television uh, when netball is on. Um, She gets very passionate. So anyway, there's something that netballers do. Shooters do it. So apologies if you know about netball. If you don't, Let me just explain. If you do, let me just patronise you for a moment. So, uh, yeah. So, if this is one moment, camera doesn't need to follow me. I'm coming straight back. So, this is this is the post, okay, for shooting. I know it doesn't look like that. Okay, work with me. I've got limited props. So, this is the post for shooting. So, what happens is the shooter is trying to get the ball into there. The defender is stood right next to them. Keeps as they're often called, is stood right next to them, basically trying to block them. And what their job is, the job of the keeper is to block the shooter getting the ball. Because basically, by the time they've done their big stridey thing that they're allowed to do, uh, by the time they've done that, they can, get the ball. <laughs> they can get the ball anywhere like here. They'll be able to get it in from there easily. You know, if they're, if they're having a good day, 85% shoot rate, that kind of thing, okay? Um, so, what the shooter has to do, forget the keeper for a minute. What the shooter has to do is create a space and hold that space for people to be able to feed in. So, you can see there, you've got wing attack. I think wing defense is in trouble um, and is having to stand there, probably some contact or something. But anyway, so the wing attack is looking to put the ball in. And you'll see that what the goal attack and goal shooter have done is they are creating a space. And it's called holding a space. That's what it's called. We are getting somewhere slightly more theological in just one minute. But just keep going with the netball just for a moment. So the thing is, it is up to the shooter to hold a space and in holding that space and moving their body and positioning themselves in such a way that they're basically saying to the people feeding the ball into the circle, which isn't even a circle, it's a semicircle, um, they're basically saying, I want the ball here. Here is where it's going to happen. I've positioned myself. I am holding this space. Your job out there is to get the ball into here. And then I will do my... thing... And yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yes, while someone else is going like that in front of them and doing all this tippy toe stuff, I've watched a lot of netball, most of it better than that, but anyway, um, no, you would never know. <laughs> I've watched a lot of school netball does that does that help? Um, okay, so a very different game so. By changing your stance and posture, we can create space in that moment. How about this? By changing our internal posture, we can create space for someone to come into that moment. Someone to come into that moment. And this is why it matters. I put, I think, because I think it was him. But well, I think it was Bill Johnson that said, we are all only one encounter away from our breakthrough. And so I see it that we have an invitation and, dare I say, a responsibility to be creating a moment, to be able to hold a space, hold a moment so that someone can get their encounter with God. Because everyone that we ever meet is owed an encounter with God by us. I'll say that again. Everyone that we ever meet is owed an encounter with God by us. Feels heavy, feels like, well, that feels like quite a responsibility. For sure, it does feel like a responsibility. There are so many people throughout the entire Bible. The Bible isn't even... If I try to find an example of an encounter with God in the Bible, you soon begin to realise, I've got so many examples. Hang on, this book really is about encounter, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what the book is about. It's about an encounter between God and his people. about Between God and individuals. So there are... Um, you've got um, Moses encountering God in the burning bush, Samuel hearing God's voice speak to him, Joshua, time stood still, go and read it, time stood still, Hezekiah was given an extra 15 years to live and God proved it to him by where the sun had come down the steps, God said, I'm going to make the sun go back up the steps, watch this. Isaiah, whose vision changed everything for him. I see the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe fills the temple. I am a man of unclean lips. One encounter, and still the effects of that encounter, are rippling through the rest of eternity. Jesus, he was—he didn't so much have encounters with God as he was an encounter with God personified. Absolutely amazing. So let's just quickly go and look again at Zacchaeus and exactly what happened. So we'll do Zacchaeus first. Let me just get back there. Okay. So we know about Zacchaeus. He was a crook. He wasn't very popular. Not only was he a tax collector, working for the Romans, taking money. He was Jewish working for the Romans, taking money from the Jews, so from his own people. Not only that, he added a little bit on, and he was the regional leader. He was not popular. Crook is probably the nicest thing he was often called, I would have thought. And he was short. If it wasn't bad enough that he was called a crook, he was also short. And um, so that's a joke. Don't worry. I can see you that just went straight over your heads. <laughs> Uh, So (laughs) it's getting worse. I'm keeping going. So he ran on ahead of everyone, climbed up a blossoming fig tree, etc. Until Jesus passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he created and held a space. That's what Jesus did. Man up a fig tree. Jesus easily just could have kept on walking. But he's listening. And he's aware. And he's looking. And he's not in a hurry. And he left five minutes early so that he wasn't in a rush. And so he's walking along, sees Zacchaeus up the fig tree. Now, I don't know whether he knew Zacchaeus, or like had any knowledge of him, like, so that's how he knew his name. Perhaps it was a word of knowledge. The Bible doesn't say. But this, sure, would have got his attention. But there's something about what happens with Zacchaeus. This isn't really my point, but I'm, you can have this for free. There's something about Zacchaeus making the effort that caught God's attention. <laughs> Worship. Um, so uh, there's something about that desire my guess is to some degree if Zacchaeus had just carried on with his normal day job in that moment Jesus probably wouldn't even have seen him but he wanted to see Jesus he made an effort as Jesus walked past Jesus was prompted held a space created a space for encounter can you see that? I'm not saying you all have to like, go out here looking up, looking for someone in the trees. Uh, that, that's, not how, that's not how we do it. Um, act. Let's have a look at this one. Uh, if we can move the slide on, that would be great. Thank you. Um, they came to the entrance called the beautiful gate. This is Peter and John. And the man crippled from birth. Now, interestingly, this man wasn't really looking for encounter. He was actually looking for silver and gold. But I love the fact that what Peter and John do is they say, I raise you your silver and gold and I give you actually what your heart really needs. That is wisdom right there. So often we answer questions that people aren't really asking and we miss the question that they're really asking and don't yet know how to verbalise. And what this man actually needed was an encounter with God that saw his life transform from that moment onwards. What did Peter and John do? They, they could have just walked past. But that man called out. That was enough. And in that moment, there was a pause. And they said, effectively, we're going to hold a space. We're about to hold a space. Might literally have had to hold crowds back. We don't know. May have literally had to put arms out like, whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on. Literally just, shh, shh, wait one minute. One minute. Listen, silver, look at us. Silver and gold we haven't got, but we got this. Give me a hand. Up you get. Just a moment. That's all it was. And they held the space for God to be able to come and invade that space that effectively they had created and held. You see that? So earlier on in the week, and I've asked permission if I could tell this story, um, I, um, I saw... Um, Mike Brown on Monday evening, and um, I said, "Oh, hey how are you? Whatever." Da, da, da. We, we were here, we were doing different things, uh, and he said, "Oh, God, it's terrible sciatica. It's really bad." I said, "Oh, mate, I'm sorry to hear that. How long's that been going?" And oh, a few weeks. I said, "Oh, has anyone prayed with you?" He said, "No, I'm in a good spiritual place." I said, "I'm asking if anyone's <laughs> prayed for you about the pain." Oh, no, no, no. Uh, well, oh, let's pray now. So he said, "It's just really bad at night, particularly." So we prayed. Um, and I said, you know what, I feel like it's going to ease overnight and you're going to sleep much better. Um, great, that was that, Dumb. I text Mike the next day and I said, how, um, how is it? And he said, um, yeah, I had a much better night's sleep. I thought, okay, well, that's good, but I've still got pain. So we arranged to, um, I arranged to meet Mike here. I thought, no, I'm going after, I'm having this. Come on, let's go and do this. I've got herb on it as well. And I said, mate, can we meet down at the warehouse and let's, let's sort this thing out? We wanted to deliberately create a space and hold, hold that space for Mike. So this is a bit more planned now. That's okay. The first one was quite spontaneous, actually. I just said to Mike, shall I pray for you? And do you know what I actually did? I'm not saying this is like right, amazing, anything. I'm just saying this is what I did. I said to Mike, is it all right if I just pray for you? Yeah, 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 like that. I put my hand on his shoulder and do you know what I did? The first thing I did was I, th- I just turned my attention towards God and enjoyed him for a minute. That's the best way I can hold a space. Because I'm like inviting him. I'm just enjoying God here and I'm inviting You could come and step into this if you want. I didn't say any of that, but that's what I was doing. And then in that moment, prayed for Mike. It was not a great prayer. It was just a prayer. So then I messaged Mike on th- uh, Friday and said, how are you? I've been praying and he said, I've been in William Harvey Hospital having a load of tests because the, when I went to the doctor, Herbie and I, telling the story badly, Herbie and I were here waiting for Mike. Mike said, I can't come. I'm held up at the doctor's. They've got concerns. And they don't think it is sciatica, so I might have to have some other tests. So we waited around another 20 minutes. Mike still couldn't make it. We went home, carried on praying. That was Wednesday, Friday, Mike said, well, actually, I spent most of yesterday in hospital having a load of tests. They discovered an early DVT, deep vein thrombosis. That was what was causing the pain. And he'd had treatment. The treatment had started. The pain was easing. He was feeling much better. Now, a couple of things here. Firstly, a medical healing is not a second-rate healing. And medical healing is not a second-rate healing. Healing's healing. Okay, so that's the first thing to say. Second thing is, I am not for a moment suggesting, Mike could have died. You know, deep vein therapy. If the clot becomes dislodged, it goes up, can uh, can cause a pulmonary embolism, stroke, all kinds of things. See, I'm as knowledgeable about medical stuff as I am about netball. Clearly, you can, you can, you can, you can tell. Um, and so that's what, that's what could have happened. Now, am I saying for a moment, am I saying that my prayer for Mike changed, saved his life? No. I'm really not saying that. I couldn't be so bold. And it went on the prayer tree. There was a load of people praying for Mike. But I am saying that an encounter with God may just well have done. That's what I'm saying. I can't honestly say in any way it was me or anything I did, but it definitely is something God did. And I believe that we owe it to Ashford, we owe it to our families, we owe it to our communities, to our workplaces to hold a space. Hold a space. Can I just pray for you about that? They might say, No, that's okay. Just wait. Not in any hurry. Step into my timeless zone of where God is. Because He's outside time, right? So you invite anyone into that. Time stands still. Tell them not to worry about being late. You can't be late, except we are. But you can't be. So let's stand. We're going to pray. We need to finish. God, we love you. You are the solution to pretty much every problem. You have the solution. God, for the aching brokenness that humanity suffers, God, you are our hope and our solution. And I pray, God, that in this coming week, everyone here will have the courage to hold a space for someone else to step into and encounter you. That we'll all have a go. We'll all try it just once. And then we can all come back and laugh at the epic fails of some of them and like how badly it's gone wrong. And, and that's all fine. And God, we might have 10 that go wrong, but it's the 11th that doesn't. And that 11th would never have happened if we hadn't done the other 10. So we just embrace trying and we are going to aim as a people, God, to hold a space for you to step into and encounter your children. Thank you, God. Amen. If you've never said yes to Jesus ever before, please come and find me. We've got to finish, but please come and find me um, because... It's going to be the best thing you ever do. If not, have a fabulous week. If you've got kids upstairs, please go and get them. If you haven't got kids upstairs, don't go and get them. It's a safeguarding issue. Uh, Have a great week. Lots of love to all. Bye online. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.